and I remember it was like 110 degrees that day in, in Phoenix. And when I rolled up the canopy, it actually felt like the cold air was hitting me. And those are the moments you realize just how insanely intense and focused you are. But more importantly than that, the lesson that hit me in that moment changed me for the rest of my life, Nick. And that is go before you're ready. Hi, I'm Nick Ninton, and welcome to Now to Next, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes. All right, everybody, Nick Nanton here. Welcome back to Now to Next. We've got a great show here for you. I got my good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, uh, here with me. Uh, Colonel Dan, how's it going, man? Oh, I am blessed, Nick. It's good to keep fighting a good fight with you, my friend. It's good to see your smiling face, man. I'm going to give everybody uh, a way too short bio of some of the things you've done, but we'll, we'll get into some of them. Uh, you are an F-16 fighter pilot in the Air Force Reserves. Uh, you are the founder of the Folds of Honor Foundation, which has awarded over 28,000 scholarships worth approximately $135 million. Um, your organization is the subject of a documentary that you and I worked on together, which people can watch on Amazon Prime, called Folds of Honor. I know, uh, you unique name. Uh, and then you're also a pro golfer, uh, a Fox News contributor. You have a new show out on Fox Nation we need to talk about too. Uh, the author of A Patriot's Calling, which came out in 2012. And now your new book we're going to talk about today called uh, Fly Into the Wind, How to Harness Faith and Fearlessness on Your Ascent to Greatness. So that is the brief bio. We got lots to talk about. Uh, your early love, professional golf and being a fighter pilot. Tell me about those and and. Share with our audience how those two came together, man. Yeah, so my first man crush, uh, they'll get that. Uh, I was 12 years old, and I met this guy, Steve Courtright, Reno. I mean, and the dude literally walked right out of the right stuff. I mean, just just what you think someone like that would look like. And uh, uh, he was 40 years old, and I can't believe I'm going to be 48 uh, next month. But um, he was the first really cool adult I ever met, and I remember the next day, I'm playing golf with my dad. I'm like, Dad, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a golf pro and a fighter pilot. And his response was very interesting. He asked me a question, right? He's like, son, can you tell me which way an airplane takes off? And I'm like, was it into the wind? He said, yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, he was preparing me for those inevitable headwinds that would stand between this 12-year-old kid and you know, for whatever it's worth, it's, I'm the only guy in the world that's ever, you know, and still does keep that job description, golf pro and fighter pilot. Uh, with these headwinds that would uh, stand between me and, and those unlikely dreams and uh, just been such an awesome run to to write the ultimate job description, which has evolved a lot since then to include a wife and five daughters and, you know, the chaos of, uh, of this thing and, and beauty of, of life. I, I absolutely love it. So... You have these two dreams, uh, and again, I, was, I know a lot of this story. Thankfully, I've gotten to spend a lot of time with you, but I'm going to make sure the audience knows it before we dig into the book. So one of the things that you were able to do, so you attended college at University of Kansas. You got a golf scholarship, became one of the top players at the school. Um, you decided that you need to get your pilot's license, which my understanding from my notes here, it was required that you have your pilot's license to get into the Air Force flight school. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. So you have to get your private pilot's license, basically prove you can take off and land and have a little aptitude. Um, you take a much more rigorous um, grouping of psychological, uh, IQ testing, play video games, all of these things that they try to figure out if you're going to make it through what is the most expensive, highest attrition rate of any program in the U.S. military by far. So um, they spend about $8 million a piece on you over two and a half years, and only 4.8% of the people will successfully complete the program to become a fighter pilot. So they invest a lot of dollars up front because they lose a lot of money uh, with people washing out, not making it through the training. But yeah, so... Uh, Got my private pilot's license, and as they say, uh, we took off from there. So, yeah, that's interesting to me just as a interesting fact. Like, I would have guessed that you would learn how to be a pilot there. Now, obviously, you learned how to be a very different kind of pilot, but it just was – it caught me off guard when I, when I noticed that you had to get your pilot's license and then go to the Air Force Flight School. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a very um, wide screen, if you will, that they're like, you know, it'll eliminate some people and then they continue to, to chisel down from there. And there's a thing that we use um, in the Air Force. So they're, you know, I had the minimum amount of time. I had like 60 hours of flight time, but there are guys that showed up that were, you know, regional airline pilots with a couple thousand hours. And actually it's, it's negative transfer. Um, the more regular flying experience you have, the worse off you're going to be when you go to be a fighter pilot. Cause you know, up is down and down is up and we are not straight and level and the air force, uh, and the military specifically in the fighter business does things at, at a very, you know, quicker pace, obviously. But the way we do business is much different than the commercial airline world or traditional general aviation pilots. Got that. And and while you're getting your pilot's license, you're also – you moved to Florida, which is where I live, and you play the mini tour circuit as a professional golfer. Uh, you did the smartest thing I know that you've ever done because it's the smartest thing I ever did. You got married to Jackie, and I met Jackie, and, and uh, you married up, my friend. Nice work. Um, and you six months later, you're accepting the military's – I didn't know anything about this program – their undergraduate pilot training program, I, I'm going to uh, cite a stat from the book, a mere 4.8% of pilots in the U.S. Air Force will complete the fighter jet training program, meaning the remaining 95% will default on their dreams. Now, that's, that's like putting a, a knife to the heart right there. And perhaps even more staggering, listen to this, everybody, is the fact that over a 10-year period, more people will play in the National Football League than will fly a fighter jet. I think that's one of the toughest stats I've ever heard. That's like there's probably astronaut and then fighter pilot and then probably professional athlete because that's hard. That's really hard. Tell me about that yeah. program. I mean, I'm glad I didn't know that walking in, right? Um, it's so often for us, you know, we can become a, you know, a, a prisoner um, of common assumption, uh, when you know that the odds are against you and, you know, man, it'll never work. Um, but that was, you know, the beauty of youth, obviously. Uh, but but the reckless faith that, that goes along with it. And, you know, the, the, the program was incredibly intense, as, as you might imagine. It's, you know, life and death. People die in the program. I mean, it's this is not a normal job, right? And I go from no flight experience to supersonic in the span of seven months, uh, you're flying um, wingtip formations, um, fingertips, what we call it, but three feet separation from aircraft to aircraft. Um, just uh, just a real push-it-up program. I think that 
if I was going to tell you one thing, and it kind of ties back to the book, um, it does. Um, the greatest lesson I learned, there, there are really two life-changing lessons as a fighter pilot that I learned. Number one was after the first day of training, I went home and I realized, man, the chances of me making it through this deal are slim to none. And, and I inventoried the class of 45 people and everybody looked like they were smarter and stronger and everything else than me. And, <laughs> and, uh, I decided the next day, um, to get up 30 minutes early and, and pray. And it's something I've never stopped doing. And, uh, I'm on, on Eagle's wings by God's grace. And I make it through the program and, you know, I got 3000 plus fighter hours now under, under my belt and still flying, but probably the greatest gift that the air force ever gave me was this just disciplined prayer routine that I execute every day. And I literally have not since, you know, looking back to the year 2000, is uh, is when I started, and that message is, you know, anything is possible with God in your life, and uh, so that's number one. The, the second lesson that I learned is actually, you make it through, I get to the F-16 school house, and you go through about a month of simulators, and you get four rides in what's called a D model, so it's a two-seat version of the F-16 with the instructor behind you, and your fifth ride is solo, and uh, you either are ready for that ride or you're washed out of the program, right? Boyhood dream over. And uh, I remember sitting in that cockpit of a $45 million fighter jet. And I'm, I'm looking around and it's a little surreal. And you kind of look down at your legs and your boots and you're like, dude, this is me, right? Manifesting my boyhood dream. And then the next thing hits you is you look around and you realize you don't don't know what half the buttons and the switches do in this deal, right? Um, but we're not ready to kill people yet. They're just teaching us how to fly it. And uh, so what the hell, you know, kick the tires, light the fire. You know, I go fly it, land. And I remember it was like 110 degrees that day in, in Phoenix. And when I rolled up the canopy, it actually felt like the cold air was hitting me. And those are the moments you realize just how insanely intense and focused you are, but more importantly than that, the lesson that hit me in that moment changed me for the rest of my life, Nick. And that is go before you're ready. And because I would have never gotten in that jet and flown it by myself, I was forced into that situation uh, between fear and fear and faith. And and I went, and I've, and I've never stopped going. And that gift of being a fighter pilot, if there's anything that it's given me, it's just this. Uh, you know, spirit that you can do anything and just go, man, it's, it's going to be all right. You, God's got your six and, uh, you're capable of way more than you think you are, um, in this, uh, journey called life. Uh, I love that. I, uh, I admire how much you put your faith forward. Uh, you inspire me to do it more. And I've seen, uh, a lot of the results of that in your life. And certainly, uh, we have the same beliefs there. Uh, I admire how much you're willing to talk about them, even to, uh, your detriment where there's certain shows that will not have you on, uh, certain shows that won't, won't, we won't talk about them, but they might rhyme with Oprah or Ellen or something like that. But like, there's other shows yeah. that, that won't have you on because you're going to talk about faith. So of course, uh, you are relegated. Not a bad place to Fox News, of course, because they don't they don't mind faith, and and so hopefully it's really interesting how uh, a world of people with open minds uh, are very afraid to have someone like you on to talk about faith. I mean, tell tell me a bit about how you deal with that. 
So, so number one, and I don't care about you know whether people have me on or not. I was on, I was on Kelly Clarkson last week, so she's faith based, and yep. she is number one in daytime television now. So I think it just shows that people want this, right? They right. don't want faith censored censored out of their lives. But for me, very personal. And again, I'm ahead of our conversation, but I keep going back to the book. Yep. Um, so um, one of the lines of effort or LOEs that I outline in, in my code of living in the book is faith forward. And I have made this totally linear connection in, in my life um, during times when I was really struggling that the more you bring your faith with you, um, the more God will, you know, bless you. And it, I mean, it's sounds stupid. I mean, it's like, oh, that's so obvious. But if you look at yourself and you're like, how often do I really bring my faith with me? Right. Is it church? And, and it, for me, it's in every interaction I have. And I'll give you just a couple little examples. So I'm doing a thing on Fox News tomorrow, launching the book on Fox and Friends, and I missed the call of the producer. Call her back, and she was like, oh, my gosh, I love your voicemail. My voicemail is, hey, I'm sorry I missed you. I'm out living the day the Lord has made. Right? Easy way to share your faith. When people ask me how I am, I'm like, I'm blessed. And you should, I mean, that stops people in their tracks at Starbucks, at Target, right? Wherever it's just like, oh, but you can feel the connection of the Holy Spirit. When you, when there's two or more gathered in your name and you bring God into that interaction, He is there. And then obviously, you know, the, the bigger forums of, uh, of, of life. And I've just, you know, it's this beautiful thing to, to unlock that if you're, if you desire more blessings and a closer relationship with the Lord, um, bring him to your interactions. And it's just like I've unlocked this incredible code um, in my life. And you're exactly right. I mean, it wasn't overnight. It took time to have the courage to, to share your faith. And, you know, I do it at speaking with Washington Speakers Bureau. And that's my job, right? And I get, you know, I had to sit down with him and say, hey, you know, this is what's on my heart. I'm going to share my faith. And they were like, well, there are going to be places that won't let you come and speak. And I still, on my feedback, I mean, there's two or 3% of the people that just chunk massive spears. And like, how dare this guy bring his faith into right. Microsoft national media <laughs> right. or whatever it is. But um, number one regret on people's deathbed is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. And that's why I bring my faith. Uh, incredible. The you know you you made a a comment there that you know it it's so it sounds so simple. Uh, a mentor of mine years ago told me that you know Nick, there's a big trap in life, and that's that everything in life that's easy to do is equally easy not to do. And so most of us go, oh, that's easy, and we don't do it. And so you leave this sort of trail of tears of these simple things that could make huge impacts incrementally in your life, but you leave them alone because they seem too simple. We we need that, you know, we need that that million dollar fix. We can't just uh, work out more and eat less. Like, right. It's just this. this so everything e easy to do is equally easy not to do. The book's called Fly Into the Wind. It comes out this week. You must check it out. You also have flown three tours of duty in Iraq. Um, at one point, uh, when you're back home, uh, tell us the folds of honor story. You're, you're flying on a commercial flight now and you see, you see a man dressed in his, in his, his dress uniform from the military. Tell us the, the brief five minute story on that. 
Yeah, so um, another line of effort from the book, uh, number two, synchronicity. So chance with a purpose, Nick, is all around us, right? The the challenge is, number one, are you watching? Uh, Number two, and more importantly, probably, when you are inspired, do you have the courage and faith to take action in that moment? If you don't, it's, it's these moments are meaningless. So in a game-changing moment of synchronicity for me, I'm on a commercial airline flight um, headed from O'Hare to Grand Rapids. We land. It's about midnight. Captain comes over the PA as we're pulling up to the gate and announces that we have the remains of Corporal Brock Buckland on this flight. We've been killed in Iraq. And his identical twin brother, Corporal Brad Buckland, is in first class and has brought him to 7,000 miles home. Captain makes another request that everybody stay in their seats until Brock's remains have been removed from the right cargo hold. And, uh, you know, certainly seen firsthand in, in combat that freedom isn't free, but I've never seen this intimate side of war. And I watched that family on the darkest night of their lives. Um, Brock's brothers, his parents, his wife, and his four-year-old son. And uh, the finality of the moment hits you in, you know, such a real way. As I mentioned, you know, father of five kids and title work turns on me. That's, you know, my wife and my kids sitting out on the tarmac. And so ceremony, you know, finishes itself up and I grab my backpack and, and stand up only to see that more than half the people have deboarded the plane. All right, nowhere to go except that blanket of freedom. We'll all sleep under tonight, courtesy of Corporal Brock Buckland and the one million veterans who have paid that ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. And, um, you know, that moment of, of real despair, um, kind of just disappointment in this country um, with all those people getting off the plane. I felt a hand on my shoulder. And, you know, the only thing I'm certain of is it was a hand of God. He picks the least among us. Um, and I certainly qualify there, but the willing. And so I went home, you know, a few months later and, and started Folds of Honor. And um, our mission, unwavering from humble beginnings, was we'll honor the sacrifice by educating the legacy, providing scholarships to spouses and children who've had someone killed or disabled defending our freedoms. And, you know, 28,000 scholarships later, about 135 million out the door, he talked about uh, we are doing God's work. And there's, there's, very few things in the Bible referenced with greater frequency than the command to take care of widows and orphans. And that is the ministry that, that Folds of Honor is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our mutual friend John Rich said it uh, very well in the Folds of Honor documentary. If you talk to any service member before they go out on, on an operation, and if it happens to be their last, and you say, is there anything I can do for you if, if you don't come back? They would all without question, first thing they would say, take care of my family. That's like, we, yeah. we know that's what they'd say. So, uh, amazing, amazing work there. Now, the other thing I think is, uh, really cool about this. I was interviewing, uh, the founder of a, a nonprofit called Mary's Meals, which I hadn't actually heard of until I was introduced to this guy a few months back and his nonprofit feeds 1.6 million children a day. And I was like, like oh, m- mind blown, like mind blown. And then we also, though, when I hear your scholarship story and, and there's, there's a point to this. So everyone bear with me, $135 million in scholarships. So most of us are sitting here looking at what you've built over the past 13, 14 years, over a decade, just like, you know, Magnus building Mary's Meals. And many people will go, they'll sit in the seat that you were sitting in on that airplane and and feel really overwhelmed by uh, where to even start. And I think the thing that I really want to get, the point, the point I want to get across today, uh, Magnus started Mary's Meals by seeing a report 
on the TV in Scotland having a beer with his brother after a day of salmon farming and saw that there were people in other countries that uh, there was there was civil unrest and they they needed help so he just said you know what I'm going to take a truckload of stuff to these people and he and he took one and then when he came back the shed was full again and he just he didn't decide sitting at a pub in Scotland that I am going to feed 1.6 million children a day you of course started out you know wanting to help but but the first step is just how can i help how can i serve and i want anyone who's listening or watching depending on what medium you're in to 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 not miss this point because it can be really overwhelming and even you can feel like you have imposter syndrome if i'm listening to what you've accomplished or what you know what uh magnus has accomplished but it's that moment of synchronicity that moment that where you have that tweak in your stomach you don't miss it do not miss it or you might actually miss what God has, whether you, whether you believe or not, we know it's true, uh, what God has for you in your life. And it's so much more than you could ever imagine. So I, I don't know. I just, I just want to make sure people understand that you don't, you don't raise $135 million overnight. I mean, you do that by dedicating your life to serving others, which, you know, I know so many families that I've personally met. Thank you for, but don't, don't miss it because you think, you're thinking too grandiose. Just start with who's in front of you that you can serve. Any any other advice to add to that? No, it's a, it's one of those things. Go before you're ready, right? And and it's and it's incremental. And so, yeah, I mean, it, and you said it very well. I mean, it's nothing happens overnight. Um, the people that you know who have achieved what are perceived as great things, I promise, there's been great struggle. Uh, associated with it and it's you know it is it is one day at a time just just being here and being now and being the best on a daily basis and you know I promise you you and I will both wake up 10 years from this podcast and be like what just happened in the last 10 years yep and I think the beauty of the the architecture and the way this book flying to the wind is engineered is you'll be able to answer that question and it really is I mean I think it's is fighter pilots probably the skill that we possess that's uniquely excellent to our world is our ability to take in copious amounts of information at high speeds, uh, distill that information down and prioritize it. And the common denominator that that has with the world we live in is everybody's drinking through the fire hose, right? Man, there is not enough time in the day to take care of the things you do, we're overtasked, we're overscheduled, we're bombarded by communication, and at its core, flying to the wind is about prioritizing your non-negotiables in life and engineering a structure that ensures that you execute against the stuff that really matters on a day-to-day basis. And it's my code of living outlined in the book. I think it's an 80% solution for anybody. Yours is Nick is going to differ, obviously a little little different than mine. Uh, but there there are core values to humanity that translate through through the book, and it's just about little incremental progress um, that we make most days. And some days we're going to slip and fall back. Um, but regardless, if you're winning today or you're losing today. Um, it's, I don't, I don't think the way you live the day, um, should change. And that's the cool part about this book. My day doesn't. 
Love it. Uh, Fly into the wind. You need to buy it. You need to check it out. Uh, Lots of great lessons. We're going to dig into even more. One of the things that I love when you and I were first talking, when I was interviewing you for uh, the film we were making, you know, this whole idea of flying into the wind, we sort of went, uh, we went right uh, over that a little bit in the beginning, but you know, I, I've explained to so many people not nearly as eloquently as you because you've, you've done it a lot. But look, we all we sort of desire. We think we think we desire these lives with uh, no valleys, just peaks. But we then realize that in order to have the peaks, we literally must have the valleys. And as my friend Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, says, the point of life is not to get from here to the end with nothing bad happening. If you get there, you're like, oh shoot, oh wait, you know, it's like that's, that's not the life. That's not a life well lived. And so the life we want to live and and what you know the book inspires me to do what you inspire me to do is those days when and what we can talk about volition here because i've done my homework uh and it's not just a line that puma makes for for you for golf um volition you know the decision we can make the decision when everyone else would quit when everyone else has quit or uh, that we can have more grit or when everyone else would just say you know that's too big for me to tackle. I don't know how I would possibly help a little boy whose dad was just killed in war. So I, I just love the, the end of the wind thing. Anytime I'm up against something that just is kicking my butt, man, I just think of that. Like the only way the most amazing vessel on earth can take off, man-made vessel, is into the wind. So I don't know if you want to add into that, but I love that whole idea. Yeah, and I think it's a it's about harnessing that energy. And I would, you know, I've got this new show we talked a little about on Fox Nation, where I sit down with some incredible, um, the accomplished individuals. And if, there are a couple main points I'd pull out of the show after spending a lot of time with these people. But the most successful people you meet are the absolute best at responding and navigating to stuff when it doesn't go their way, period. That is their superhuman skill set. And embracing the energy of challenge and resistance in your life, not in a way of, ah, that's too hard, I'm gonna quit, Um, but uh, saying, hey, I'm I'm gonna harness this, and I understand that every day I live um, is going to be defined by what I do when things don't go my way. Uh, a- a- amen on so many levels to that. And I think you know, th- th- we got to remember that uh, this is the whole, it's mindset. Look, everything in life pretty much is mindset. And it's it's the only thing you can really affect day to day in yourself. It's mindset. I mean, I, I often think about how, how crazy it is that we, um, so many times in life, we think we're fully in control of this. Yet if we just stop to think like, I, I got to hope that the power guy turns on the power in the morning. I got to hope that the guy on the other side of the road doesn't come into my lane like life is a partnership with the rest of the world and we got to be good players in the game and so you just got to remember that this the mindset that uh, i choose to take i got from tony robbins of course you know life happens for you not to you and so when you are dealt that blow you know when you when you realize that that's been given to you for a reason um that inspires me a lot to go okay this was given to me i better take it the other thing i would add to this is it's a super simple a bit cliche but uh, again, Jack Canfield, I'll, I'll say his name again because I love giving credit where it's due. Um, I quote uh, Colonel Dan a lot too, don't worry. But uh, I, I, he said, um, look, it's a very simple Walt Disney quote. If you can dream it, you can do it. Most people go, oh, yeah, cool. If I have, yeah, I've seen people with dreams that have accomplished things. But one thing that I like for people to know 
is if there's something that you, if you have a dream and you put it off maybe for a week or a month or a year or 10 years or whatever, uh, a couple things you need to know about this dream. This dream was literally given to you. And so the people around you, by the way, may not even understand it. And that's okay because you have to understand. I guarantee, I guarantee they won't understand <laughs> Perfect. Or it, give a crap. Because it wasn't given right. to them. It was given to you. And that's something you need to hold very near and dear. You may need to gain new skill sets. You may need to get a new education. You may need to surround yourself with a completely different group of people. But if that dream was given to you, just like that Folds of Honor dream was given to you, I mean, imagine the waste in these thousands of families that have now made a new life for themselves if you would have just said, you know, man, I'm busy, God. I can't, I can't take this on right now. I can't take this on. Yeah. So... I know we're all too busy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You couldn't possibly fit that in my schedule. <laughs> no. Um, but that's where it comes back to prioritizing and and acting when we're inspired in our lives and listening to what's in our heart uh, more often than what is in our head. Uh, act when inspired, huge deal. Don't wait for the inspiration to run out or for other people to talk you out of the inspiration. Act when inspired. Love that. Um, all right, so there's this pivotal moment that really helps uh, helps outline some of these big moments in the book, and that is you have what – I don't think there's any such thing as mistakes, just learning experiences, but you have this learning experience when you are flying uh, sort of a regular mission back from Iraq, and you make a mistake when you're coming to land. Tell us that story. Yeah, well, actually, um, it was – you know, it ended up being harmless, um, but I was a second from killing myself. And I was actually taken off um, and uh, raised my gear a little early on the F-16, which you're like, well, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> there's like two seconds window to raise your gear before you overspeed everything on the airplane. And uh, so I was a second off my game, um, but I was complacent. I'd come back and I'd perform at the highest level in combat, my first mission back in Tulsa. Um, just, you know, complacent, right? And um, I had the jet actually settled back down on the runway on its fuel tank and uh, just scraped the skin off of it, you know, another nanosecond, the fuel tank full of 370 gallons of jet fuel blows up underneath me and I'm probably not on this podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, I come back, um, land, there's, you know, very little issue, but it was... Um, Really, the first time, and I say this with you know great humility, that I I kind of stepped on it in front of a lot of people, right? Um, and I was a fast burner, one of the best pilots um, out there, and this was a you know a mistake in in front of the bros, if you will. And uh, but it was the trigger of kind of you know everything starting to come apart, and that lasted for you know the better part of you know, seven, eight, nine years in, in my life. And, you know, Folds was just getting started. And so there was huge challenge there. I woke up every day going bankrupt. We built a golf course here that's out my window called the Patriot, which is, you know, an amazing place and thriving now. But I mean, I was going to lose my house and, you know, everything I had for years on end. So this was a, you know, a life storm that, uh, that really took me from probably a, a pretty arrogant guy to uh, more of a, a meek um, person, and a meek is a misunderstood word, man. It, it is, you know, patience under suffering as, as you define meek. It doesn't mean you're weak, right? It's being patient while you suffer, and I, you know, slowly evolved into uh, into that, and as I said, it was very introspective, and that's, that's where I journaled the book that would become Fly Into the Wind. 
And and that's a book that you need to check out. We actually had a question from someone in the live stream. Uh, I think I know the answer, but I'll let you answer to make sure it's right. Where can they get this book to support you and what you're doing? Yeah, so um, they can visit danrooney.com and pick any place that sells books. So that's the best place, danrooney.com. Really cool anthem video we just dropped there yesterday. Um, but yeah, everybody that's selling books from Sam's to Walmart to Amazon to all of those normal book book folks, and you get it in the audio version too. I, I read it, so it sounds like a guy from Oklahoma talking really slow. So it's, <laughs> it's a good good listen. I love it, love that. All right, so. The framework of the book is your personal code of living. So you've got these these acronyms. You've got CAVU and you've got LOEs. We sort of talked a little bit about lines of effort. And so explain CAVU to us and help us learn how we can use that in our life. So a super powerful personal acronym to me that I stole from the fighter pilot world <laughs> uh, stands for Ceiling Invisibility Unlimited. So again, looking out my window, we got a cabin day. It's that perfect steel blue sky, and um, it, these are you know these days that you know you can fly a fighter in an unlimited way, and um, I you know th- those are the days that you that you crave and you desire. And so my life metaphorically was you know a dark, crummy, dark place a lot of this time. So I was like, well, how can I engineer Kavu in my life? And when on a daily basis, I knew I was going to wake up and and face a lot of headwinds, a lot of challenges in my life. And as you mentioned too earlier, I mean, life is out of our control, right? The the outcome really is out of our control. And so um, I, uh, I started building my code of living. I was like, well, what, what am I, what am I in control of today? How can I take this negative energy, bottle it up and turn it into something positive and, uh, and use this as motivation to become, you know, a better person in all the areas that I'm in control of. And that is at the essence, you know, how I engineered my, you know, my personal code of living that I call Kavu. Uh, love that. All right. And so let, let's run through, we've already run through a few of these uh, lines of effort. And, and we'll explain what a line of effort is. I mean, what does that, what does that really mean? Yeah, so it's cool. So we call them LOEs, but um, it's a military term and we're going to battle, right? So if we're going to, you know, in battle in Iraq, we've got lines of effort, right? Fighter jets are bringing a line of effort. We've got, you know, C-130s. We've got, you know, Marine quick reaction force. These are all lines of effort that are coming together to, you know, force multiply and bring, you know, the most pain and suffering to, to our enemy. Um, but it's, but it's a line of effort. It's how things come together in a, in a meaningful way. And it's all coordinated. And I really think, you know, I hate to use the word magic, but the magic in the book is how this thing stacks and how the lines of effort really come together in a way that's much more powerful than just one or two of them outlined by themselves. Got it. And we've we've mentioned a couple of them already. We mentioned synchronicity. Um, I brought up volition. You had an experience uh, when you were in a sports psychology class. I, I remember you telling me that story. Share that and, and the word volition and what it is. Yeah, so it's fun. So the guy that taught me that um, sent me a text today, and he said, I got your book. He was like, beyond words cool, uh, the presentation. Um, so that really made my heart feel good. And I was able to, you know, throw a salute to Dr. Cook, but I'm a junior at the university of Kansas. I walk into this class, professor shows up five minutes late, walks up to the board, writes this word volition. 
and uh, proceeds to tell the class that it's the most powerful word in the world. This is the power of choice. You know, and every day we're free to choose. Um, he said, but understand um, the opportunity and the consequences that come with those choices because they will culminate to write the legacy of your life. And he said, every choice you make follows a logical progression. And it starts with, I won't do that. I can't do that. I'd like to, I'll try, I can, I will. He said, if you can make it to I will, nothing can stop you. And it was that moment of synchronicity that brought me together with Dr. David Cook at the University of Kansas, that he, again, changed my life with this just unlimited potential of our choices and opportunities they represent in our lives. And I made the choice right then and there that I was going to go be a fighter pilot. And uh, it became crystal clear in that moment. And volition, really, as it relates to the my code of living, that's kind of the big lever that starts to turn people's life, right? Um, I'm going to outline a bunch of places where you can make positive choices and prioritize what matters most in your life as the book goes on. But at the end of the day, you're either going to choose, I will, or I can't, or I won't, or I'll try, all these excuses um, that prevent us from getting to where we need to get to, hopefully, in our in our hearts and our minds. Yeah, and tell us about the the, the line of golf uh, stuff that's out there, the volition line. That's cool stuff too. It's I mean, yeah, so, amazing um, stuff. Again, it's like go before you're ready. I had no idea what I was doing, um, but other than my military flight suit, I could never walk in my closet and put something on that I called the uniform of life that like represented who I was. And um, so I came up with this concept of Volition America that would give back to Folds of Honor and really be a uniform for life and give you that edge to go out and make a positive choice um, in your life and, and hopefully make Volition a household name, too, because it just is, a, you know, a life force unlike any other. And so Puma makes Volition America, it benefits Folds of Honor. and. You know, two years ago, um, one of my dear brothers in Christ, uh, Gary Woodland, wins the U.S. Open wearing Volition America, fellow University of Kansas grad, you know, on the biggest stage in golf. And you're just sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, so this is one of my best friends. He's winning the U.S. Open and he's wearing this, you know, clothing that I chicken scratched out on a uh, on a napkin. And uh, it's it's just so cool. I mean, it's. Like golf meets fighter pilots, you know, kind of our uh, imagineering, if if we will, and we get, go to design it every year. But yeah, it's uh, it's really cool, cool stuff, and you can get that. There's information in the book about that, but that's volitionamerica.com. If you want to check out the uniform for life and and support folds, a great place to do it. Is is that uh, that fresh piece of clothing you're wearing there? Is that uh, also volition? No, man, I'm out of uniform. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's, I, I, well, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering where I can get Patriot. me one of those. This is Patriot gear. Well, right here. I mean, no, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no hey, hey, it, I I just want to know where I can get it. But the Patriot yeah. Golf Course is also amazing. Also a supporter of Folds of Honor. So we'll, well, I just know I need that shirt. So I got now I know where to find it. I know who to bother. All right, good. All right, we're moving on. Um, you have another concept of eliminating parasitic drag. Um, that's just an interesting concept. Explain that to us. This is another LOE yeah. from the book. It's one of my favorites, really. Um, and this book, I mean, it's like a journey more than a read. This thing's not a page turner because it's going to take you time because it requires that you be very honest with yourself. And this chapter especially, right? Um, so 
Well, I think it's October 14th, 1947. Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier, right? Flew faster than the speed of sound. But uh, they had been unsuccessful for a very long time until they actually eliminated parasitic drag off the trailing edge of the Bell X-1 was the aircraft he was piloting. And the concept of this chapter is, man, in order to live your fullest life, in order to ascend to the heights that God wants you to, you have to eliminate the stuff that's holding you back, right? The parasitic drag as it translates to, to our life. And, you know, during my, you know, life storm, I just started picking stuff off, right? I was like, you know, this is not a healthy thing I do. This is not contributing to where I want to get to. And, uh, and parasitic drag comes in a lot of different ways. I had somebody call me the other day that opened up the book and they were like, oh my gosh, I opened to the chapter of parasitic drag and the first type of drag in our life is resentment um, toward others, not not forgiving other people. And this lady was like, hey, I, you know, I never forgave my dad for divorcing my mom. And he's 81. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks that I've got to have this conversation because, um, you know, not forgiving somebody is like, and I use the analogy in the book, it's like grabbing a hot coal to throw at somebody else. Right, that is not going to translate well. Um, but you are the one getting burned when you have this, and you know it comes in the form of alcohol, social media, shopping. You know your weight, eating, unhealthy relationships in our life. These people that are around us, you've never been able to just be like, you know what, you are not good for me. But if you are dragging around all this crap that is ultimately holding you down. You will never fly. And so this is a very intentional part of the book. And the last part on this is the science behind parasitic drag is super powerful. Um, and it's called remove and replace. And this is not mine. Um, stole it. Um, but the, the way the human brain works is you can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop drinking seven nights a week. Right? Say, so I'm going to stop drinking seven nights a week, and at 5.30, when I have the craving for my glass of red wine or two or three, I am going to replace it with a walk with my dog or you know, getting on my Peloton or sitting down and playing cards with my wife. You have got to replace whatever you move, and you can literally reprogram the bricks of your life when, when you do this, and that's uh, the... It's an awesome force, but I, I love this line of effort. Uh, yeah, I love that too. I love the idea that uh, most people uh, essentially try to create a vacuum. They try to say, oh, I'm just remove this from my life. And they don't take the chance or the time. They don't probably understand you have to actually replace it with something else or you're not going to be successful. So I think that's a really, it's a really key distinction there. I, I dig that. Um, Service before self. We talked a little bit about this. To me, every opportunity that I've ever gotten that's been – amazing has been based on one very simple thing which is just serving someone else just doing serving the people who are in front of me uh wherever that might be or whatever context that might be but uh, in the book one of your LOEs is service before self um you've obviously done that with folds of honor um you've done it in a bunch of different ways but what else what else do we need to know about service before self well, I would, you know, so it's it's one of the, the three pillars of the United States Air Force. So uh, service before self, excellence in all we do, integrity first. And, you know, I think as a general rule in life, the less time you're focused on yourself, the more fulfilled and happier you're going to be. 
Um, and I'm going to play a moderator here, Nick, because, I mean, your story is so powerful and, and you live it. Um, and you've unlocked this beautiful irony of, you know, when you're helping someone, you're actually the one being helped. And when you came to me to make the Folds of Honor story and the incredible storytelling that you have done putting others before yourself as the guy behind the camera. How does that feel to you? I'm asking you a question. I'll take any question I can get. Uh, oh, it's amazing. I mean, I find that most people, like I've led a bunch of group events over the years and I'll typically get someone, man, woman goes up at the front of the room and they say, I got to make some changes. I'm just not happy because I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this. And this is, and, and there's only one, the biggest problem they have is they, they, they just, they just let everyone else know their problem because the, the Every sentence they said started with I. They're being completely self-centered. And the only way to get out of that funk is to stop putting the focus on you because no one else is. Like, just focus on other people and someone else. So I I love it. I feel so blessed every single day to be able to, I mean, I make a living of being able to just, uh, it, to be able to help other people. And not only that, I would get to have great conversations. I get to learn, like, every one of my, actually, it took me way too long because I'm not that smart, but about 10 years years ago, I realized that every day what I was doing, I was getting the best, the best self-help class uh, available. Like, I mean, I've interviewed Tony Robbins four times and you guys like you, I interviewed John Riches. I get the people who have really achieved and they distilled their, what took them 50 to 60 years to learn. They distilled down into like a nice 30 to 45 minute conversation with me. And I realized like, Oh, wait a minute. If you know, for me to continue to have a great relationship with my family, my friends, my wife, I need to make sure that that they're keeping up. Like I need to actually intentionally make sure that I'm getting they're getting enough inputs uh, of of personal development as well, or else it would be easy for me to sort of go off because I'm I'm learning so much. So I I love it, man. It's so much fun to be able to like it is. The, I mean, they always say the giver gets the most, and it's it's so true. I don't think you can do it with that intent, but it, which none of us do. But it is amazing. What happens when you know when I help you? I I met a ton of great people. I mean, you helped me. You know, I've known Lee Bryce through friends for years. You helped me get my first big country music cut with Lee, and we just made a we had a blast making a movie that will raise tons of awareness and millions of dollars for Folds of Honor. It's like, I mean, I'm just I'm glad I, I pinch myself every day, man. <laughs> there you go. You I mean, you answered that question way better than I did. But <laughs> but we are we're so blessed because we've unlocked. This universal truth that I think, you know, God ultimately created us to serve one another. And in this, you know, Facebook world, you're looking at, well, why do they have more friends than me? And why didn't I get this like? And why did I do that? And like, if you really look at, you know, the times that you are myopic, um, those are generally the times you're least fulfilled. Um, in in your life, and ultimately, I think you know we talk about this book. It's about fulfillment. And I spell it F U L L. Full. It's like what are you putting in yourself? And it is, it, man, it's that simple. And if you're serving others, you're putting God in your life. You're putting the relationships that matter in your life. You're taking care of yourself physically um, every day, um, and you know you're going before you're ready. Um, these are things that fill us up and. If you wake up tomorrow and you're like, man, you know, I'm not very happy. And you, you know, you drank six beers and you ate a half a bucket of fried chicken and, you know, you've been binge watched on Netflix 
uh, while you're trolling your social media and you wake up the next day and you're depressed, well, guess what? Not surprised. You, you have right. not fulfilled yourself, not set yourself up for success. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's going to cut some people like a knife. I think in a lot of ways, our calibration is off in a lot of these things. And, and it's not, it's not your fault. I'll put it there. Like we have all, if you're listening to this and you feel like you're a bit off kilter, I mean, we have been very well manipulated by many forces to, to get that dopamine hit for that like, or that share or that whatever. And I mean, look, you're, you're, your organization is a machine on social media and and new media, which is a necessary evil in so many parts of this world. But one of my favorite things I heard recently was the many great performers and comedians, and I'm going to bring this back around. We'll see if I can land this plane because uh, I haven't connected these two before. But many great performers and comedians, you'll meet them off stage, and, and, and they're not who you thought they were. You, they aren't like the person on camera. They aren't like the person on stage. And a lot of times it is because they actually separate the personality that pay, gets them paid and their own real persona because if they connect the two, it can be too hard when people are actually trying to destroy you. They're destroying your own self-worth as opposed to this this character I've created. And so, you know, in, in many ways when we look at this this whole deal, um, it is we live in a world where it's difficult to separate your self-worth from your accomplishment, your achievement, your, your likes, your hearts, your shit. And so you do have to find something bigger and more grounded to hang on to. And I just tell you, if you feel like you, maybe just reconsider things, if you feel like if that if that tweaked you a bit and you feel like your self-worth might be a little bit too wrapped up in those things. And don't get me wrong. We all get I mean, if I post something, I want to know if people like it or if they've shared it or whatever. I, mean, I, I do. But let's try to keep that in a in a healthy context. And I think so many I mean, kids and adults have, have lost you know, I lost all calibration there. Um, I would also say secondarily, um, there are things, the beauty of like the content that I'm blessed to be able to make and that there's other people doing things as well. Like there's some amazing content that can actually inspire you to go to the next level. So, you know, go to Amazon and watch Folds of Honor or watch a movie like Rudy. I got his jersey right here behind me. I mean, there are some pieces of content when we put the good things out in the world that are going to serve, that are going to serve others before ourselves. So service for, for self. There are there are media formats. There's podcasts. There's books you can read, like yours, Dan. Flying to the wind. That you just you have to be careful with your filter of what you allow into your life. I I can't. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, I know there's been studies on this, but literally if someone has on something in my house, like has a TV on and it flips over to a, a show or something that is just, I mean, you just, I, I am so careful about it that I can tell a toxic show in about eight seconds. I'm sure you can too. But like, if like the real housewives or something comes on or something like that, like dance moms, I'm like, get that out of my house. Like it is literally built on toxicity and I want nothing yeah. to do with it. Fulfillment. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, what are you filling yourself up with? That that is uh, the very uh, poignant way to to put a period on that. We'll leave that there. Um, all right, faith forward. We talked about a lot. You lead with faith. You 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 invite God to lead every step of your life. Is how I would articulate it. And I think I mean there, for those of you who don't have faith, we're not mad at you. Um, just know that that the faith we share is about love. And so if if either of us can do anything to love you better, you know, reach out because that's that's truly what it's about. Um, Dan, you've become more comfortable sharing your faith outside of the normal bounds. You talked about it, TV, speaking engagements, anything else. Um, you mentioned 
mentioned you, you pray 30 minutes before every day. That's great. Obviously, I know you're a man in the word. Anything, any, um, anything that you might want to say to someone out there who has enjoyed the conversation but is, doesn't quite know where their faith is? Yeah, I would, I would um, say you got to be still, right? And the lens, and I was talking about this about Urban Meyer um, two days ago. He called me on something and um, talking about my lens of life. And I wake up every morning, and I'm at a place where I've distilled life down to one thing. And that is, in, is this glorifying God today? Is my schedule glorifying God today? Uh, am I a vessel of impact? And uh, I'm not saying you can't have me time and you can't go do those things. But when I look at things at the lens of should I be doing this today? Should I be doing this now? Is is this something God would want me to do? And, you know, being a vessel of impact. And I don't think you've got to be a Christian or, you know, you can be a Buddhist. You can be whatever you want. But I think humanity, and I've touched on this before, is we're built to serve others. Right? And um, I think it's um, just, uh, it's such a huge part of my life. And um, I would say, you know, you open the Bible five minutes a day and see how that transforms your life. Just that intentional act will open you up to uh, to an awesome spirit. Um, so keep putting that, fit, you know, that faith foot forward. And, uh, you know, I, I know God is real. I, I see his presence every day. And um, hopefully that testimony helps. Awesome. Love it. And uh, don't knock it till you've read it, right? When it comes to the Bible, don't knock it till you've read it. Yeah, only uh, the best book ever written, right? Yeah. Most people haven't read it. Uh, one of the things that Old really... Old Testament's hard. I get it. <laughs> it is. Um, there's a lot of begats there that could get you off course quickly. But the uh, the thing that I think it, that it took for me, and again, I'm not that smart, but it took me to realize that the Bible, it's so overwhelming because it's so big. But once I realized it was there's never going to be more, it was sort of like palpable. Like, oh, wait a minute. There's not going to be a part two. Like, I don't have to rush through this one to get to the next one. I just really got to try to understand this one. So, again, not that smart. Maybe it'll help someone on the line. All right, last story I want you to give. You got to buy the book Flying to the Wind to get all of these LOEs. You got a story about Go Before You're Ready where you were trying to connect with Budweiser. You're trying to see would Budweiser, you knew in your heart, you had a dream, uh, Colonel Dan, that Budweiser would be an amazing supporter of Folds of Honor. And I, I love the tenacity and the reckless abandon with which you went after this. So share that story a little bit. Yeah. So it's me alone above my garage. I just started Folds of Honor. I love their Super Bowl commercials. And so I fly to St. Louis and I cold call Budweiser at the brewery. No appointment, no nothing. Uh, fly on Southwest Airlines, which is now a great Folds supporter, ironically as well. And um, my first meeting there, they're like, who are you? Why are you here? And you know, I explain it, but and they're super nice, right? But they were like, "Hey, man, you gotta understand, we get a hundred requests a day from charities wanting support from Anheuser Busch." And no offense, they're not run above somebody's garage. So, um, good luck. Um, we don't want to see you back here again. And I touched on this earlier, but you know, the other lesson out of this thing before go before you're ready also is, man, our lives are defined by what we do when it doesn't go our way. I mean, I just got kicked in the junk. Right. Not the answer I wanted. So easy to be like, oh, they're right. This is just stupid. It'll never happen. It'll never work. But I, you know, resolve myself. The beatings will continue till morale improves. Uh, good Air Force uh, methodology. And 
I go back every six months for the next three years and uh, finally get a meeting with David Peacock, um, who was the CEO at the time, and uh, I share my story. I'll never forget what he said. He was like, you know, I know you've been coming around here. I, I heard about you. And uh, he was like, but I didn't know. And uh, in that moment, the Holy Spirit connected us. And he stands up and he said, I'm making a best practice in my life not to get in the way of God's will. We'll figure out something to do with Folds of Honor. And uh, that day has you know, sparked a, an eight-year relationship we've had. They've donated over $19 million to Folds of Honor. We've got our you know, Budweiser puts the Folds of Honor logo on their beard during the summer, and these extraordinary things have happened. And, you know, the the lesson is, you know, we wind up here and you pull away, man, is um, don't limit the art of the possible in your own life. Just get out in the universe. And if you're on the right path, if you're on God's intended path, there is a jet stream that will come behind you. And I, may, it's, I promise it's not going to come as quick as you think it should. Everything takes longer, right? God's yep. timing, our timing. But that's a beautiful, real-life parable of going before you're ready, um, understanding that we're defined by what we do when stuff doesn't go our way, and uh, think of all the lives we've changed and get to do it by drinking a cold Budweiser. Um, that is pretty darn good. Uh, I love it. And then one more kicker to that story, which you'll learn in the book, Flying to the Wind. Uh, you actually missed the plane, and there was no more flights to get you there so you chartered a plane to get there like I, my favorite thing is so many people would give up like ah there's no way now you you just risk your own money charter a plane yeah. to go and sometimes sometimes to achieve greatness that's truly what it takes if if you don't have the reward you desire in life is because you haven't taken enough risk they are absolutely parallel so any 100 man god rewards those courageous souls and that is true faith uh, true faith and he sees it he recognizes like this is a man of faith and conspires for them I love it. I'm going to leave you with one quote from uh, a smart guy, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. He says, uh, failure is not an ending. Our lives are defined by what we do when things don't go our way. You can learn more by reading his book, Flying to the Wind. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in to Now to Next. Colonel Dan, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to see you. Nick, you're a great patriot. God bless you. Thanks, brother. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episode. 